0: Welcome to I'm sorry, I didn't let you I didn't let you answer me back. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> You're not used to response. That's like a what kind of question? They call it a question when you don't really want a response. I don't remember what it is. Anyway, uh we're glad to have you here this morning. Uh I think we're in Alaska, I'm not sure. It feels like outside. But this may be Tampa. I'm not sure. The pastor's so excited he's like doing handsprings coming in. <laughs> but the rest of us are a little nippy and putting some coats on and things, I'm noticing, so But I'm glad that you turned your clocks ahead and got here on time to see your smiling faces and your smiling hearts ready to worship with us. So if you'd stand, we'll begin our service with prayer and then a couple of hymns to get our blood flowing, as it were. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for today, Um, the beautiful weather outside, crisp, uh, unusual for us. Uh, Just once again shows us who's in charge of weather, who's in charge of this world. You are. You send us great sunshine and rain and cold and heat and we accept it as your gift and as the graciousness that it's sent with. Help us to enjoy both and not complain one way or the other with what's coming. We thank you for this morning for the opportunity to come as a body of Jesus Christ. We recognize that because of what you did at Calvary, we are a family. We are children of yours who find uh, commonality in our love for you, our love for your word, our desire to serve you, and you give us love for each other in our hearts and a desire to spend time together and to worship you. We just pray that this morning as we sing to you, as we listen to your word and and muse on your love and what you've done for us, that you would honor the gifts that we bring to you. You would accept our worship, our songs as the fruit of our lips giving thanks to your name. Use it all for Jesus' glory. In His name we pray. Amen. Amen. We'll begin with a couple of hymns that uh, are fun to sing and very strong doctrinally. Uh, The first one is titled, To God Be the Glory, Great Things He Hath Done. Have to recognize in our lives that everything good and everything perfect comes down from the Father of Lights and praise Him for that. We have to recognize that He is in charge of this world and in charge of our lives and not we ourselves. And that everything we do, everything we are, is because of Him and we need to give Him the glory, to God be the glory.
1: Be the glory, great things He hath done Set up He the that He gave us His Son, Who yielded His life an adornment for sin And opened a life gate that all may go in Praise the Lord, praise the Lord Let the earth hear His voice Praise the Lord Praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. us All come to the Father, to Jesus the Son And give them all glory, great things he hath done For both. Redemption, the redemption, of precious, of blood To every believer, the promise of God The promise of thunder, who truly believes That honor from Jesus, a pardon received Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear His voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. All come to the Father, through Jesus Jesus the Son, and give them the glory, great things He hath done. Great things He hath taught us, great things He he hath done, And great all rejoicing for Jesus the Son, but pure and higher and greater will be our wonder, our transport when Jesus we see. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father, to Jesus, the Son. And give them the glory great things we have done. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the earth hear His voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. I'll come to the Father, through Jesus the Son, and give them the glory great things He have done.
0: Another great song of praise, praise to the Lord the Almighty. Um, There's a number of names for God in the scriptures and one of them is Lord of hosts. He is the king of all creation, the king of this earth, the king of everything he has created and we owe him glory and honor and praise. Praise to the Lord the
1: Almighty. O Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation, all my soul, praise Him, for He is Thy health and salvation. All ye who live, now to His temple draw near, Join me in glad adoration. O Lord, who are often so wondrously reigning, shelters beyond His wings yet so gently sustaining. Has thou not seen how all thy longings have been granted when what He day. To the Lord who doth prosper, thy work and defend thee. Surely his goodness and mercy, will daily attend thee. I'll do will, what the Almighty can do, if with his love he be friendly the Lord, let all that is in me adore Him. All that has life and breath, come now with praises before Him. Let the sound from His people again, gladly for I we adore
0: you. You may be seated. Sometimes when I pick hymns I forget that I grew up in a Baptist church and not everybody else did. And I pick some hymns sometimes that uh, my group here does not know. (laughs) So we had to learn this one. I hope everybody's familiar with this one. It's uh, a a hymn that I grew up with. Uh, Maybe you're familiar. If you are, please sing out and everybody else will catch on. One good thing about hymns, you hear one verse, the other ones that follow are all the same. So once you get the the line, you know what it is. This is a great hymn to me. Um, It's a prayer. And we don't seek God. We don't come after Him. He comes after us. He sought us and bought us and made us His own. And this hymn is about my heart tends to go away from God. So I'm praying and asking Him, if He would, to draw me nearer to Him. That's what I need is for Him to draw me near, Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord.
1: Lord, I have heard thy words and it told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer. Nearer, blessed Lord To Thy precious bleeding sound Consecrate me now To Thy service, Lord By the power of grace divine Let my soul look up With a steadfast hope And my will be lost in Thine Draw me nearer, nearer Nearer, blessed Lord the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious precious bleeding side. Oh, the pure delight of of a single hour that before thy throne I spent. When I kneel in prayer and with thee, my God, I commute as friend with friend. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Love that I cannot know Till I cross the narrow sea Where are heights of joy That I may not reach Till I rest in peace with thee Draw me nearer, nearer Nearer, blessed Lord To the cross where thou hast died Draw me nearer, nearer Nearer, blessed Lord that precious
0: inside. If you like to learn new hymns, I'll put in a plug on Wednesday night. If you come to our Wednesday night service, we always start with singing hymns, and you can always learn a lot of new ones that way. We do some fun ones and some beautiful ones and ones you may not have heard before. So um, if you're not doing anything Wednesday night, 645, drop by, join us you won't regret it. Thank you for that advertisement. And now, oh worship the King. And, um, most of the songs this morning, the hymns are dealing around praise and worship for Jesus Christ as and God the Father as Steve teaches on the love of God. Um, this is an amazing hymn of majesty of the worship that God is supposed to deserve. Um, the last line of the first verse, pavilioned in splendor and girded with praise. I've, I cannot imagine one day being in front of God's presence here on earth. Nobody has ever seen his glory. We can't look at it and be able to live. And yet one day we'll be able to live with him in that glory and recognize it. Oh worship the king, all glorious above.
1: worship the king all oh, glorious above and great holy sing his blood and his love our shield and defender the ancient of days pavilion in splendor and burdened with praise oh, his might, O sing of His grace, Whose robe is the light, whose head of His, his face, face, His, his chariots have not the deep thunderclouds clouds and, and dark is His path on the wings of the storm. do bountiful care, what tongue can recite, It breathes in the air It shines in the light It streams from the hills It descends through the plain And sweetly distills In the dew and the rain Frail children of dust And feeble as frail In thee do we trust I find thee to fail. Thy mercies, how tender, how firm to the end, our maker, defender, redeemer.
0: Another invitation to worship, Um, in Philippians we're told that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we can either practice kneeling now and get used to it and enjoy it, or wait until we're forced to do so in God's kingdom, which I don't think any of us ever would be. but. The concept of this song, the the invitation to it is whether physically or simply in your heart, bowing down and kneeling before Mm -hmm. the Lord our God, our Maker.
1: Come let us worship and bow Down, let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. bow down let us kneel before the Lord our God our maker come let us worship and bow down let us kneel before the Lord our God our maker for he Of his pastor and, and the sheep of his hand, and the sheep of his hand, and the sheep of his hand, just the sheep.
2: This morning will be out of uh, Romans chapter 5 verses 1 through 9 so that's Romans chapter 5 verses 1 through 9 therefore having been justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exalt in the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, much more, than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. And let's pray. Well, thank you, Lord, just for reminding us of our salvation, the, the foundation of which we stand before you, and we praise you, and and no matter what's gone in our lives, gone on in our lives uh, this week, we can stand on this that we are saved by grace and just rejoice and know that you can wash us afresh today by these words about you let's pray that you would help us to do that as we hear uh, steve preach the message and uh, just um, be again uh, looking to you lord not ourselves as we go about our daily lives and just want to be worshipers today as we are here in our music and hearing your word and Fellowship with each other, Lord. Just ask that you would um, uh, change us today uh, again. And we praise you in Christ's name. Amen.
3: Good morning. Glad you could be here today at Hope Bible Church, and it is beautiful weather out there. I tell you, cool, crisp, fresh, invigorating. I was driving here today, I had my windows open. I man, i got to feel this. I really did just love, love, thank the Lord for that. We, we look at the world, we, often my wife and I use the word crazy, a lot of crazy things, but you know the reason it's crazy is because of the evil, that's what it is and and that's why it's imperative that we can be here today we need hope we need to know there's a future we need the bible which tells us the truth and there's a particular truth we're going to focus on today and we need to be in a church family where we can be with one another where we united and encouraged and comfort and strengthened by the fellowship we have with one another so absolutely essential uh, i i don't know how people can make it without a, a a good church Without hope, without the Bible, without the truth, we really, really do need it. Otherwise, things do not make sense, do not make sense. We're talking today about God's love, and we must do this because it is vital for our lives. It is not optional. No matter who you are, no matter what your age is, you need to know the love of God. You need to daily be satisfied, strengthened, sustained by the love of God. I've been a Christian for 50 years now, and I still need to daily experience God's love. It says in 1 John 4, you've heard me say this many times, I've come to know and have believed the love that God has for me. That should be what every one of you say, with full conviction, wholeheartedness. Last week, we said that God loves us. A little simple review, he saves us, he forgives us, he redeems us, he adopts us into his family. He protects us, he provides for us, he, he He gives us purpose, we have fellowship with him, and he gives us his word, that is, he communicates with us. The point I'm trying to say here is that we must see the different ways that God loves us today, and we look at a number more, number more ways that God specifically shows us that he loves us. Number one, God has loving thoughts for you. God's heart is full of love for you. And therefore, God loves you with kindness and with patience and with compassion and with forgiveness. If you really love somebody, you're going to think about that person, right? And you'll have loving thoughts for that person. How much more so is that true of God with us? Now, we understand from the Bible, Ephesians 1, 4, and 5 talk about how God chose us before the foundation of the world, which means that God has had loving thoughts for you since way back in eternity past, which is amazing. God has had loving thoughts for you that whole time. So encouraging. Psalm 139, 17, and 18 says that God has thoughts towards you that are like the sands of the sea. And so God has countless thoughts, infinite number of loving thoughts for you. And so it's important then to think of God's love for you in this way that he is continually and constantly thinking, loving thoughts for you, towards you. That's the way it is. And that he always loves you like this should be wonderfully encouraging to your heart, to your soul, and should cause you then to be in awe of the Lord, to fear him, and then to worship him and love him with all your heart and soul. Number two, God shepherds you. We know the verse, Psalm 23, 1. Many people's favorite verse or psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, John 10, verse 10 or 11. It says, I am, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The Lord is your shepherd, and he shepherds your life and your soul. He watches over you, and he cares for you. So when I say he shepherds your life, I mean your daily life, your activities, what you do, where you go. He shepherds your soul, your heart. That's what God does for you. When you're going through tough times, when you're struggling, when you're hurting, when, you're, when you want to give up, and we all have struggles like this, then you need to know that the Lord is your shepherd. He is your shepherd, and he wants you to go to him, to look to him, to trust him during these times. That's what God wants you to learn. It says in Psalm 23:3, he restores my soul. All of you at time have had souls that have been roughed up, beat up, you need restoring. Always, That's a great verse. Remember that. He restores my soul. A great, great promise, a great truth. First Peter 2.25 says, You are continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd uh, and guardian of your souls. Sometimes as Christians we stray. We go away from the Lord. We all do. Okay, different times. And we need to always be returning back to our shepherd. That's what God wants for us. Thirdly, God leads you. God loves you by leading you in the plans that he has for your life. God would be cruel and he would be uncaring if he left you on your own, if he let you go your own way. But he does not do that. Psalm 23, 2 and 3. He leads me beside still waters. He guides me in paths of Righteousness. That's what God does. Psalm 143.10 says, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me in level ground. So God is the perfect leader. He knows what you are like. He knows your personality, your experiences. He knows the good and the bad. and He knows everything about you. And in his wisdom and by his power, he knows how to lead you in just the way that he wants you to go. It's by his word. And it's by his Holy Spirit. It says in Romans 8, it says the Holy Spirit is to lead us by his word, by his spirit, through people, through relationships, and through the circumstances of life, God leads you. He knows how to lead you. That verse I've said many times, man plans his way, Lord directs his steps, Proverbs 16, 9. It's good to plan your way, thinking about the Lord, but he's going to direct your steps. Sometimes he, he directs them and we don't even know what's going on. He's leading Sometimes he directs our steps and we're a little bit stubborn sometimes we do just follow along, which is what God wants for us. Again all this this shows God's great love for you, that he leads you. but it's important then if you to want to be led, to be want to be led to ask him then to lead you in the ways that he has for you. Turn to Psalm 24. some of my favorite verses on this, Psalm 20, 25 rather verses four and five, these first, few verses, sir. Some good thoughts on leading. Psalm 25, verses 4 and 5. 25, 4. Make me know your ways, O Lord. That's good. Make me. Make me, Lord. I gave you permission. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. That's a great prayer. Verse 5. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of God of my salvation, for you I wait all the day. Psalm 32, verse 8. Great promise. 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. That verse for me is, is my favorite. When I don't know what to do, my mind goes to that verse. I'll, I'll teach you. Just look to me. I will instruct you, whether it's that day or that week or that month, I'll lead you. Just wait on me. I know what I want you to do. So that, we need promises like those. Psalm 25, Psalm 32. Next, God's love for you is seen in the church. One of the reasons for the church is to help you know the love that God has for you. And any uh, one way to increase your comprehension, your understanding of God's love for you is to be involved in the church. Ephesians 3 makes this very clear turn to Ephesians chapter 3 look at the start of verse 14 whole set of good verses here but a, a, a few that just focus on this this truth about God's love that needs to be seen in the church Verse 14, Ephesians 3 says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit and the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love. So the first part of this is a prayer here is that you you yourself need to be rooted and grounded in love, and that's why we're going with this message here. That might be the main reason. God wants you rooted and grounded in his love. End of verse 17. Um, uh, then may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. The, the point is simple. Individually, personally, you will know and experience the love of God, but to really experience it in the, in the big, broad way that God wants, you have to be in a church. You have to be with other believers. And I don't mean just come on Sundays. I mean, church, you're, you're with others. You're talking to others. You're communicating, maybe on the phone, and maybe here on a Sunday, maybe during the week, but you're in that fellowship and you see the love of God expressed that way. See, this church is a spiritual family, a family that is to be loving and caring. Not always perfect. We, perfect. we know that. In fact, I hear that a lot of people through the years is well, that church is so hypocritical? Yeah, there are hypocritical people in churches. That's the truth. That is but we don't want to judge it that way the church in general is to be loving and caring it's to be a family that's devoted to one another in brotherly love and as christians we need to experience the love of god through the believers that's what's so so important turn to first peter chapter 2 chapter 1 verse 22 first peter 1 and 22 I've mentioned this verse in the past. I don't, I don't know of any verse like this, but it's instructive. Since you've been having obedience to the truth, purified your souls for sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. The word verse love there is the Greek phileo. It's, it's a brotherly family love. And then the next love, fervently love one another from the heart, is the agape. And so I don't want you to just think of as Christian. We agape love one another. That's true. But God wants us, in conjunction with that agape love, to be sincerely love, a family love, a brotherly love, that relational love. He wants us to have that as well. Both are important in the church. God wants that because God wants you to believe and sense and feel the church is my family. And I want to be in this family that there's this love and this camaraderie, this, this unity working together. So you show the love for God. You show the love of God for others when you use your spiritual gift. Now, I'm talking how can you love others. This is very practical, very specific. How can you love others? It might be the gift of of serving. It might be the gift of mercy. It might be the, the gift of encouragement or the gift of giving or the gift of hospitality. It might be the gift of teaching. God wants you to use your gift, and you use your gift, and then you are loving others. You show your love to others when you're patient with them. When you're kind, when you're compassionate, when you're forgiving. So many ways there. I mean, I'm just going over this so quickly today. But how can I love others? These things here. Being compassionate, being forgiving, being forbearing, all these things. Another way we experience God's love in a church is when we take communion. For taking communion, really, is is the point there is, is so that we remember, remember then, Christ's greatest act of love for us. It says that, remember. It says, remember me. Remember how I loved you when I died for you on the cross, and so that's important. Next, the older Christians in a church are to love the younger Christians. Spend time with them, encourage them, disciple them, help them in in areas of need, help them in areas of growth. That's what God wants. Indeed, showing and expressing God's love towards others is a a clear identifying mark of the church, whether it's this church or any church. This song, some of you know this from way back, 60s. They will know we are Christians by our love. You've probably heard that. That's the truth. The verse that says that is, is John 13, 35. By this all men shall know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That is, if people come in this church family setting here, and they see us, and they say, man, these guys really like each other. They really get along. They really love. That's important. We want to be known for our love as a church. Next, God's love for you is seen that you can talk to him. God shows us his love and that he talks to us through his word. God, and God then uh, loves us by enabling us then to be able to talk to him. It's an amazing thing that we can talk to God. We can pray to him. If somebody says they love you but they don't listen to you or rarely listen to you, then they really don't love you. And you all understand that relationally. You're with somebody and... And you might be talking, but you can tell they're not listening to you. Because pretty soon they're trying to say what they want to say. You no, know, love is shown. God loves us by, by letting us talk to him, and he, and he listens to us. He lovingly listens to you, and he listens to you all the time. When You pray, he hears you, and he hears exactly what you're saying. And he knows what you're feeling. He knows what's in your heart. And it says in Romans 8 there, it says, you know, sometimes you just don't know how to pray. Spirit helps us because we're we just human. We're flesh and we can't articulate how it's going on. But, but God knows. God listens to you because he loves you. Most people on the street would probably think you're really strange if you go, go up to him and say, you know, I talk to God and he listens to me. He says, really? Says, Who are you? But that's the truth. It's simple. It's basic. You can talk to God and he listens to you. That is the fact. God knows that communication is necessary for your relationship with him. And he wants you then to be one like a child to his father, like a a friend to a friend, talks to him. He wants you to be one who speaks to him, who who is open with him, who pours out your heart, who asks him for help. All these things, all these different aspects of communication. And so God loves, loves you by listening to you and listening to everything you say. He listens with a loving heart, a patient heart, a forgiving heart. A compassionate heart. He has these feelings, these feelings of love, as he listens to, and he answers your prayers. That's what he does. Psalm, excuse me, not Psalm. Daniel chapter nine, the the middle part of that chapter, uh, is a great prayer. It's one of the one of the best prayers there is in the Bible, and it's Daniel's prayer because you know things are in distress, and he was looking at Jeremiah, and Jeremiah says, "Hey, after seventy years, you know, you pray to me, and hey, I'm going to bring you back." And so he had been there many years himself. Daniel had was the end of that time, those 70 years, and he prayed and God answered. And the, the one little line here says, O oh Lord, hear. O oh Lord, forgive. O oh Lord, listen and take action. Listen and take action. And He does. I mean, again, we, prayer is so important. I and mean, We just don't I'll say, take advantage of it. We don't pray like we ought. And, and, I, and I've said this before. I know it's true for myself. And I, and I can't help but think that it's true for every single one of us. We'd all say, you know, I really need to pray more. Well, say that this morning and then say, Lord, help me then to take steps this week to pray more. And I'm not just saying you can get time alone someplace, but just as you go through the day, because the Bible does say that we need to pray at all times in First Thessalonians chapter 5. Next, God loves you by being committed to. Hebrews 13, 5 says I says, He says, I will never leave you nor will I ever forsake you. That is, God is totally, unreservedly, wholehearted, committed to you. This is important. You all understand in life how somebody's committed to you. I, I, I can't help but think that all of you have a, a friend or two or three, and, and real commitment comes from those close friends. And that means something to you. You're having a rough day, a tough time, and the person's still committed to you. That, that's, this is important. But God's number one. When God saves you, you are transferred from the kingdom of the devil to the kingdom of God, and you're not going to be transferred back. When you got saved, became a child of God. And once you're a child of God, you're always a child of God. That's just the way it is. There's no sin that you, as a true Christian, that you can commit, that can cause you to lose your salvation, that can cause you then to go back into the devil's kingdom, that can cause you then to go to hell. It's just not going to happen. There are some people, some churches, some religions, and it's really sad. It's one of the saddest things there is. That says you can be a true Christian, can lose your salvation, that you can go astray, that you can backslide, there's some kind of sin you can commit and, and, and you're no longer saved. And that's just not true. I mean, what kind of love is that? W- what did Christ do on the cross then? How many sins did he die for? You're like, how many? Everyone but that one sin? That one is, some say, unforgivable sin. The only unforgivable sin is the one where you don't repent and put your trust in Christ. That's what it is. But people actually say that. Once you repent of your sins and place your faith in Christ and you're saved forever, you're forgiven of all your sins. I, I know some people say, well, that person's in a church and then he left and he's really done bad stuff. Well, well, maybe he's never saved in the beginning, which is what 1 John chapter 2, I believe, says. If they left us, then they weren't really of us in the beginning. So that's the answer. I mean, there's can to be some people in a church for years and years and years and years. Then they leave and they go off and do bad things. Well, maybe they were just a hypocrite through all the years. I, I really believe that happens much more so than we realize in the future. There will be more and more, as things get tougher and more persecution against the church, there will be more and more people leaving the churches. As you know, I think it's easier to sort of live in the world and not have to be in church and be afraid of getting persecuted by those people who don't like us. So that, that's going to happen. We'll see it. If a person is truly saved he's in God's... Family forever, for God is always faithful and loving to him. If God gives you eternal life, then you have eternal life. And eternal life is, by definition and by decree, eternal. The definition of eternal life is it's eternal. And it appears so many times, particularly in the Gospel of John. By definition and by decree. That is when God says, I'm going to save you, he's going to save us. And that means to the uttermost, forever and ever. Romans eight twenty eight and 31. Let's turn there. You know these verses. Romans 8, 28 to 31 are verses of his commitment for us. The whole section is really from 28 through the end of the chapter, but just these few now. Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. These whom he called, he also justified. These whom he justified, he also glorified. These verses are to assure you, are to convince you, Of God's eternal love for you and because of God's commitment to you then he's gonna work out all the details of your life with the goal of making sure that you make it to heaven that you're with Jesus in heaven sometime that's what he's gonna do that's what he's gonna do God chose you as it says here he foreknew you he called you he justified you and he will glorify you so so if you're a Christian here today four of those have happened Called for new, um, for new, what is it? What did I say? Chose for new, called justified, and He will then glorify you. That is what God starts in you; He is going to finish. There are many verses like this. Two of my favorites: Philippians one six. I'm confident of this very thing: that He who began a work in you will carry it on to completion. Or the verse in First Corinthians chapter one. Verses eight and nine. He will keep you strong to the end, so that you'll be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. These verses of His commitment to you are so so important. And this is this is important. I've I've spent a little more time in this because the fact that God loves us by being committed is something we need to hear. Because we go through life, and we're all going through the years, and it's a long life, and we need to know that God's committed to us every every step of the way. Next, patience. God's love for you is patient which means he puts up with your sin. He puts up with your stubbornness. He puts up with your waywardness. That's what he does because God is committed to you. Then he's patient with you during your life here on earth. And that means your entire life. Isn't it true for you? Think about your life. Think about go back to when you were saved. Isn't it true that God has been patient with you through the years? Isn't it true that that God has put up with you? Isn't it true that, that, that you don't always do things that are right? Isn't it true there are certain sins that you keep on committing? Never got real victory over? And God put up, puts up with you. He patient. Put, put up is probably not the right way to say it. But, but that's true. He does. He's patient. God is patient. Patients Parents know this. If you're a parent, you know what it means to be patient with your children. How much more so is God patient with us? There's there's many chapters in the Bible that that illustrate this, and it's the Psalm 78, it's the Psalm 106, uh, great chapters on this. Psalm uh, 105 too a little bit, but my favorite on the patience is Nehemiah 9. It's verses 5 through 37, and, and you really need to read a whole section, read, read chapters like this, because you, you read through them and it says, you know, I'm sort of like that myself. But the Nehemiah nine, why I like this, because it goes from the time of Mo, time of really Abraham, around two thousand BC, to the time of Nehemiah, four hundred and fifty. So it's it's showing God's patience with the Jews for over a fifteen hundred year period. That's a long time. That's a lot of patience. Uh, and, and some versions, not all, but I think the NIV has the word patient in there. That he sees forbearing and for God to be patient, needs to be forbearing, he needs to be forgiving, all these different things, so wow, he's patient with them for 1,450 years, he's going to be patient with you for the 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, whatever year here, he's patient, so again, you don't test him in this area, okay God, you got to be patient with me, I'm going to do this bad thing, okay, I want to see your, don't do that, (laughs) patience is for, oh man, I, I did it again, or I'm still not where I ought to be, and yeah, you know, God, you're still patient. So, so it, it, the patience of God, the love of God in that way should motivate you to be a better Christian, okay? Next, God loves you by the fact that he disciplines you, Hebrews 12, 5, for those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. This word discipline comes from the idea of training children. All good parents train their children when they're growing up. That definitely happens. What does it look like? Let me just mention four different words here. You find these in Proverbs, other places, but first the parents instruct their children, and they tell them what they need to do. That is, they, they tell them, this is what you're to do. The next phrase or word is they correct their children. They tell them what they've done what they, when they're doing wrong. That is, they've told them what to do, that's right, then the child doesn't do it. They correct them. The next word is warn they warn them if they do what is wrong or if they keep doing what is wrong and warn them saying there will be consequences. And the fourth point, then, there are consequences. The first three are verbal. The fourth is the action. You know, in the Bible, Proverbs particularly talks about using the rod. It's very clear. Use the rod. You've heard the phrase, you know, you spare the rod, spoil the child. It's true. I mean, one really clear point. I mean, people don't talk about this much. Why? are there problems in this country? Why are there problems with the young people? Most of it, I mean, really comes back to this, a lack of good parenting. Parents need to discipline their children. That is what they should do. I'm not saying it works all the time, but that's the pattern, and if parents did it consistently, We'd have a lot better kids and children in this country. There's no doubt about it. But the correction is very, very important. The point is that's a picture of what God does for us. He trains you. God instructs you, okay? He corrects you. He warns you. And sometimes there's consequences. Now, this this is, isn't an easy one to figure out. But God uses trials to discipline you. He'll use sickness he will use difficult situations. So you're going through life and you got some trial, and you're thinking, is this just a trial to teach me this, or is this a tri- trial because I've done something wrong? And I, and I can't figure that out for you. God, through his spirit and through his word, can help you understand that. But I'm just saying that there are certain things in life that happen to you that aren't g- easy, or feel good, and God is disciplining you, okay? That's what I'm saying. That definitely happens, and it's, it's, it'd be smart of you You'd be wise to think, man, things are going on that are really hard here. Man, is there something I'm doing wrong? Is there some kind of sin that I've been continually committing, and God's trying to get me to shape up here? Is that what it is? So anyway, God disciplines you. And you have to understand this is important, very, very important. When God disciplines you, he is not punishing you. God disciplines those he loves. It's, it's a way for him to show his love to you. He's Do not love. So you learn to do what is right. So you learn to grow up and become mature. So you learn then to, to walk more closely to the Lord because people that are sinning are not walking close to the Lord. And the most important satisfying thing in life is to walk close to the Lord so you can walk close to Him and so you can then spiritually bear fruit. That is what God wants for you. Next, God loves you by giving you hope. Hope speaks of God's promises for you his guarantee, guarantee of what he's going to give you in the future. And hope basically describes how God's going to love you in the future. That's what it is. During your life on earth, God loves you by telling you about hope, by telling you how he's going to love you in the future. So God then wants you to be thinking about, to be excited about, how he's going to show you his future love. Probably one of the best examples is this when we grew up with our children. We, I'm not sure exactly, Laura, Marsha might know, but about 14 or 15 years in a row we'd go on vacation, okay, and we'd save money and we'd, we, were, we were beach people. So first part of the year lived up north, we'd go to the uh, Virginia Beach area, uh, what was it called? It wasn't, it was Sandbridge, okay, but it's right south of Virginia Beach, that's where we'd go. We'd go in October, a little cooler, um, a little cooler, <laughs> and the water's still warm and not as many people. We moved down here, okay, we gotta find a beach. So we went to the Panama City area, went to a place called Inlet Beach, right west of Panama City there. And we were there for, I don't know how many years, four or five years. We just liked the beach. We save and go for a full week. So we did not do it this way. Okay, kids, get up, it's time to go on vacation today. We didn't do it that way. They knew months ahead of time, this is when we are going on vacation. That's good, right, because we love them by giving them hope, by telling them how we were going to, quote, love them in the future. So that's, that's an example. So know that God loves you by giving you hope. He loves you now by telling you how he's going to love you in the future. That's what we're saying. That's why this love part is important, hope part. So what should you be hoping for? We've talked about this. I'll just mention. Number one, and most importantly, you'll be with Jesus. This is John 14, to 3. Two, you'll be with other believers. Third, you'll be in heaven. Fourth, you have a glorified body. And the fifth one, you'll be rewarded for your, how you serve God on earth. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as from the Lord. Knowing that from the Lord, you'll receive the reward and inheritance. A topic, a subject that's barely talked about. And sometime, I'm planning the next two, three, four months to go over rewards with you. Because most Christians do not understand it. Most Christians, oh, I'm going to heaven when I die. I'll see Jesus. That's it. That's all they know. And that is so simplistic, and I I will tell you, I'm at fault for not having taught it sooner, okay? But, But God's gonna bless. There's so many verses. I mean, there's just many, many verses about how God wants to reward your work for him. And so heaven will be a perfect and beautiful place. Perfect people, perfect relationships, perfect environment, perfect temperature perfect food most important you'll be with jesus the one who loves you much much more than any anyone else heaven will be your home your home with the lord jesus christ where you'll see his his love and his kindness his goodness in ways that you cannot imagine right now we understand the lord's love in a little bit but we barely have a grasp on it compared to how we're going to see it and experience it in the future and then of course then you will perfectly love him which will be wonderful you know, I, I often think, we love God with all our hearts, mind, soul, and strength. And so, if I ask myself or ask any one of you, what portion of your day do you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? I said, Oh, golly, it's definitely less than half. It's probably less than fourth. It's you know, I just—it's it, a convicting question. And and and, but in heaven, we'll do it <laughs> all the time with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Revelation 21, verses 1 to 3. Then I saw a new heaven. That's verse 1. I'm just summarizing some things here. Verse 2, and I saw the holy city. Let me come to verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the temp- tabernacle of God is among men, and God will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. Th- those are t- that's in a phenomenal verse. God will dwell with them. The living God is going to be with his people. It's incomprehensible, really. The idea of God being with us in this new heaven, this new city, it's amazing. And they shall be his people. Isn't that wonderful? And then it goes on. There's good verses, four, five, six, and 7, too, but I just cover in the first three. Read the whole section sometime. We've talked about many of the ways that God loves you. He has loving thoughts about you. He shepherds you. He leads you. He wants you to be in a good church. He wants you to talk to him, to pray to him. He loves you by being committed to you, by being patient with you, by disciplining you, and by giving you hope. This is so important. you got to remember these things. Remember, I'm not sure if if it's 19 or 20, I can't remember all the number of ways, but it's around 20 different ways we've talked about how God specifically loves you, and there's probably more. I was trying to give the basic foundational ones. You have no excuse, none whatsoever, for not believing that God loves you. None, none. And you should be disciplined if you don't believe it because I've gone over these. You've heard these in the past, I believe. God loves you in so many ways. Every day of the week. All the time he loves you. Remember this. And you need to remember it because you need, as I said before, satisfied by his love. That's Psalm 90, verse 14. Satisfy me in the morning with your unfailing love. You need to be strengthened by his love and sustained by his love. You need the love of God every day of the week. You need that. I said that verse in Psalm 92, I declare your love in the morning, your faithfulness at night, that meaning that at nighttime you see how God faithfully loved you during the day. Okay, So you get in the morning, and God wants you to say with full conviction, God, I know you're going to love me today. I can't wait for you to show me your love today. I know I'm going to see it. I declare your love in the morning and at night. I look back and I see you were faithful. And that's what you should do. I mean, you should get up in the morning, think that way at nighttime, 10, 11, 12, when you go to bed. Hey, man, God, you, you love me this way and this way and this way and this way. That's, that's, that'll help you to sleep better. That'll encourage your soul. That'll, that'll build in you a real love for him. But this one verse, and I've shared Jude 21, command. Keep yourselves in the love of God. You are commanded to go over these things. You're commanded to to keep yourself, what you need to do. Now, one thing to note here. Yourself, it doesn't say yourself, it says yourselves. So first and foremost, you keep yourself. The plural means what? Well, you help others. You know, if you're married, friends, people in the church, others you know of different places, keep yourselves in the love of God. Take these things we've talked about here. And the, these handouts, they're all back there. All my notes are back there on the table. You can grab some today. You have no excuse for not remembering these things and knowing how God loves you. All goes back to what Christ did for you. As I said before, one of the most important things you need to do is to take time to think back how Christ died for you. He paid for your sins. He delivered you from sin and from death and from hell. He did all that to give you. Because when we talk about salvation, and we're going to go over this in the weeks ahead, it's what God takes away but also what he gives you. He takes away your sin, but he gives you eternal life, this superabundant, satisfying life that lasts forever and ever and ever. That's what it is. That's what it is. Psalm 86, again, one of my favorites on this great, is your love towards me because you have delivered my soul from the depths of the grave. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for this time. We bless you for your love for us. And even now, going over these things is so important. It is, it is vitally, it is not some option Talk about things we need. We need this spiritually to know your love, to be satisfied by your love, to be encouraged and sustained and strengthened. We need it every day of the week. Lord, let us not be lazy. Let us not be slack. Let us keep going This going to you. Lord, show me your love. That's a fine thing to pray. Show me. Let me see it. But these points I've mentioned here are so many specific ways. And so God, I ask you that as, as, as a church here, as, as Christians, as ones who are even listening to this message that, that we'd be ones who'd say, yes, Lord, I want to know your love more and more and more. And then, Lord, I'll love you. Because it really is true. We, we love, whether it's you, Lord, you, Father, or others, because you first loved us. And so we want the reality, the truth, this to be deep in the heart and soul of every one of us here, whether we're single, whether we're married, or with families, our entire church, Lord, and others, again, listening on. We, we, we thank you for this. We thank you for, again, your great love for us. Thank you for your kindness, your mercy. We look forward to that day when we will be with you. And it won't be long from now. We know that the Bible talks about how time is like, but just a vapor. And then with you for all eternity. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. So we thank you now for this. We do pray for those who couldn't be with us. Do pray for Jean, who is in the hospital again. Lord, I pray for her. Who She continues on, Lord. I'm always encouraged, man. She just continues. And really, you know, just God, you've been helpful there. Help her, Lord, and others who are struggling. Do thank you for uh, Steve Phelps' dad, who's in the hospital again, has a procedure and is doing better. But thank you for that and others as well. But, Lord, just bless you again for this time here, this day you've given us. Just lead us in your victory for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Activity-wise, we have our Wednesday opportunity to plug into a Bible study and prayer time. So that'll be this Wednesday, 645. And two Saturdays away, the 26th, will be our work day. So if you're able to come out between 8 and noon to do some projects around here, I will again um, throw out to you uh, organizers and planners that we've got the uh, kitchen area to tackle if you want to Organize the kitchen now that we have two churches here. It's double the challenge of of, uh, getting rid of some old stuff. Uh, The church has been here quite a while, so there's a lot of of items that we are um, going to be getting rid of. So keep that in mind, two Saturdays. And then that Sunday, the 27th, will be Matthew meal. So put that on your calendar. And as um, Steve said, there are uh, plenty of... uh, Verses on the back table here, if you want to uh, take those with you to get further encouraged and memorize, those are available. Um, And as a reminder, to pray for the uh, pastors from the Master's Academy over in Ukraine that have decided to um, stay and minister to people. Uh, Quite a, I think the majority of them have done that, have stayed, and there's a couple hundred over there several hundred from all the years that they've been raising up pastors. And the Master's Academy is one of the the uh, missionary groups at Hope Bible Church we, we support. So uh, keep them in your prayers. And now we have uh, last songs. And again, the offering um, uh, box is on the back table or mail your offering in or do it online. Thank you.
0: Would you stand with us as we have our final two songs? Both of them are scripture songs and both of them taken from the book of Psalms. Um, a book of songs, as it were, in the scripture. This is a great one, Psalm one hundred eight talks about um, the love of God. and One of the things that Steve reminded us of this morning that proves the love of God is his faithfulness to forgive first john tells us if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and uh, the psalm 130 says if if lord if you should mark iniquities who could stand but there's forgiveness for thee that you may be feared
1: Watchmen for the morning If thou were to iniquities, O oh Lord, who could stand But there is forgiveness within that thou
0: and our last song is psalm 113 1 through 6 Um, I've allowed or actually wanted Marcia to help me with the songs, putting them in order. I I like to pick them, but she gets to pick where she puts them uh, with some (laughs) input from Steve there, it's pretty fun. She put this one at the end because she said, this is a really exciting song and unfortunately some people come in just a little late in the morning when they're, you know, getting started and things and they miss out on this song. So those of you who normally slide in just a little late, you get to enjoy this. is a song we sing all the time and enjoy. (laughs) So this may be your first time rip-roaring with us. This is a fun one. From the rising of the sun till its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised.
1: From the rising of the sun till it's saying the name of the Lord is to be praised The Lord is high above all nations His glory is above the heavens Praise the Lord, praise all servants of the Lord Praise the name of the Lord for be His name, the name of the Lord, from this time, forth and forever. Who is like the Lord our God? Who is adored on high? Who humbles himself to be old The things that are in heaven and on earth? the name, name the name of the Lord. from this Lord, time Lord, forth Lord, and forever. From the rising of the sun to its ending, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high of all nations His glory is above the heavens Praise the Lord Praise the servants of the Lord Praise the name of the Lord For it is the name of the Lord from this time forth and forever from this forever from this time forth and
3: benediction similar to last week 2nd Thess 3-5 thir- says may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God Amen Amen,
1: Amen.